In this episode of Lost in Twin Peaks, we'll dive into the characters' locations and food motifs, I suppose you could call it, although there's some smoking in there too, for uh, Season 1, Episode 2. I mentioned in the previous episode that I was going to have some pictures of the Dolphin Safe book that I mentioned uh, with that. You probably noticed, if you checked, that those were not there. Um, yeah, I couldn't find that book that I wrote as a second grader, unfortunately, so it's lost to history. Also, I would highly recommend if you check out the illustrated companion that's linked below, you get a visual sense of what I'm talking about here. The characters, the rankings, it can seem a little abstract just talking about who's on screen for what. But when you see them kind of compiled in that way, I think it's it's a good thing to scroll through as you're listening. Okay, characters. The characters introduced in this episode are Trudy the Waitress, who is played by the wife of uh, one of the writers who will come on to Twin Peaks in a few episodes. She's the waitress at the Great Northern who serves Cooper his breakfast. We meet the long-haired man, sort of. Uh, I'll mention why we sort of meet him later. It's not a spoiler. It's actually something that already happened, so we can bring it up now. And we also meet Renette's mother. Uh, We did meet her father before, but didn't have any dialogue. This is the first lines for Renette's father and also for the log lady who, other than saying shh, did not speak in the pilot. There are also a lot of characters who meet with each other. This is Cooper's first encounter with Audrey, Ed, Josie, Pete, Shelley, Norma, and the log lady. There's also other characters who have obviously met in the past. I mean, one of them literally gave birth to the other one, but this is the first time we're seeing them interact. That includes Donna and her mother, Harry and Ed, Norma and Nadine, Donna and Sarah, Hawk and Renette's parents, Ben and Audrey, surprisingly. We never saw them together in the pilot. We saw them in the same scene, but they didn't interact. Harry and Shelley, Harry and Norma, and James and Donna's, uh, James with Donna's parents. Ranking the characters in the top 10 in terms of screen time this episode, the 10th is Doc with about three minutes. Who would do a thing like that? A lot of that, obviously, his presentation of Laura's autopsy. Number nine is Josie with about three minutes. What is shenanigans? Number eight is Ben with about four minutes. Oh, I remember. How all those hours turned into days. Number seven is Audrey with about four minutes. Do your palms ever itch? Number six is Bobby with about four minutes. Too bad we can only kill him once. Now on to the top five, who are the most featured characters in this episode. Number five is Donna with about five minutes. Yes, I miss her so much. She really is kind of the lead female character in some ways at this time. Number four is James with about six minutes. Because your skin is so soft and you smell so good. Number three is Laura with about ten minutes. Now my heart belongs to you. Almost uh, two of those actually on screen. And the rest of that 10 minutes is people talking about her. With Laura, of course, we count the, the her off-screen presence in the show as well. Uh, with the others, it's just when they're on screen that I'm, that I'm concerned with. Number two is Harry with about 13 minutes. Because I'm beginning to feel a bit like Dr. Watson. And number one is Cooper with about 17 minutes. What really went on between Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys? And who really pulled the trigger on JFK? Within that top ten, outside of the three characters of Cooper, Lauren, Harry, who we can consider the leads at this point, 
the person who leads the supporting cast is James, as opposed to Donna in the previous episode. This is Cooper's, Harry's, Laura's, James's, and Donna's second episode with over five minutes, or ten in the case of the pilot, based off of five per program hour or so. Since the pilot's twice as long, we measure it by ten. Bobby's dropped off since the previous episode. In terms of successive episodes with prominent screen time, who's on a hot streak? Cooper, Laura, Harry, Donna, and James have all had over five minutes in both episodes. Collectively, the top ten characters in the show so far are 1. Laura, 2. Harry, number 3 is Cooper, 4. Donna, 5. Bobby, 6. is James, 7. is Doc, 8. is Mike, 9. is Sarah, and 10. is Audrey. Doc rises up two spots, and Mike rises just one. Sarah slips a spot. Ed falls out of the top ten after a single episode in it, the pilot, and Audrey enters it for the first time, rising three spots to do so. In terms of the character milestones, Laura crosses over into 50 minutes of screen time, Harry and Cooper hit 40, Donna hits 20, Bobby and James hit 15, Doc, Mike, Sarah, and Audrey hit 10, Ben, Hawk, Pete, Shelley, Catherine, Josie, and Diane hit 5, and the Major and the Log Lady hit 1. Laura, Harry, and Cooper are all now the first characters with enough screen time to fill a single episode of their own. And I should note, of course, when I say that Diane has 5 minutes, I'm talking about Cooper recording his messages for her. So it's interesting to look at this and think about how these characters may feel after these two episodes, like we've seen a lot of them, but really we we haven't seen that much of them, you know, when you actually measure the the minutes that they're on t- that they're uh, present for. Here's a list of locations in this episode and what happens there. In the Blue Pine Lodge, we see the kitchen and the living room. They question Josie, and Catherine calls Josie. In the Sheriff's Station, we see a lot of different rooms. We see the lobby, the conference room, jail cell, interrogation room. We have Cooper arriving. Doc goes over the autopsy, questions James. Mike and Bobby talk in a cell. Ed talks to Harry, and Albert calls, releasing James and releasing Mike and Bobby. The Palmer House, we see the living room. Donna visits Sarah. The Briggs House, we see the dining room. The Major slaps Bobby. Nothing in the high school this this time. In the Great Northern, we have both room 315 and the restaurant, and also Ben's office. We have Coop, Coop's morning exercise, his breakfast with Audrey, and then Audrey dancing. Double R Diner, Cooper makes his first visit to the to the enjoy their pie and coffee. The Johnson House, Shelley finds the shirt, Leo can't find it, and then he beats her. At the Packard Sawmill, we don't get anything in this episode. We don't see the inside or even the outside of that mill the calhoun memorial hospital that's where we see hawk questioning the pulaski's and seeing the one-armed man we don't see the train car at all this episode another location introduced in the pilot that's not revisited the hayward house we have donna talking to her mother and then later introducing james and then mike and bobby spying from outside for the roadhouse nothing for the woods nothing uh, the mountaintop, we see that just in the picnic video and possible picnic video dream this week. And nothing from the road into town that was featured in uh, the opening, other than just the opening of the show. That's where the Twin Peaks title appears now, over the road sign, rather than the machines at the sawmill. Some new locations are introduced this episode. We see a kind of blurry, random, romantic spot. I've seen some of the deleted footage, so I know it was supposed to be like a wishing well, where Laura gives James the necklace. A cool new location is the general store, where Norma runs into Nadine. Uh, just sort of bustling little area. I wonder if it was just a, a little town in the valley or something where they filmed that. I'm not sure. Could have been a set, I guess. And then the Timber Falls Motel. I think there's a little 
something in the background that says the name of this motel where Catherine is plotting with Ben uh, on the bedside table. So we get the interior of that, their little motel room where they have a, a, uh, their affair. Probably the coolest uh, new location this episode, and one of the coolest overall, is Jacoby's office. It's very surprisingly Hawaiian-themed. Uh, I guess we're on the Pacific, but, you know, we're in a very different region of the Pacific. Uh, but he's got this stuff all over the masks. The blue, Even the walls are blue, and he's got, like, a big mural of, like, a palm tree and a fake palm tree with the coconut in it. And so that's that's pretty fun. And uh, this is a surprise, but if you think about it, it obviously springs from his novelty tie he wears in the pilot, where he's got the hula dancer on his tie, and he's kind of feeling under the dress, which is bizarre and gross. But you can tell that a lot of the things that are new in this episode are planted in the pilot somehow. Like they were looking like, what can we do with this, this, or this? Ah, here's an idea. How about he loves Hawaii? And so they go with that. Fellas, don't drink that coffee. You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator. Sorry. Coffee, pie, and donuts. And a little bonus food. Cooper makes a big deal over coffee at the beginning of this episode. He says, The true test of any hotel, as you well know, Diane, is that morning cup of coffee. And then he raves about the cup of coffee that he gets. He loves it, makes a big show of drinking it. Coffee at this point, I think, is sort of taking the place of Douglas Furs as the sign of Cooper's enthusiasm for life in general and for this town in particular. He loves their coffee. Andy, Lucy, and Harry, we see all stuffing their faces with donuts when Cooper arrives at the station. And when he sees Harry doing it, he says, ah, three for three. And they all have their hands full of coffee. Like they've got donut in one hand, coffee in the other. So, And their mouths full. It's just a funny portrait of immobility in fact there's one cop if you look closely behind uh, lucy and cooper as they're talking there's a cop who's struggling to open the door because he's got both hands full so he like piles the coffee on a donut and somehow makes it out and after he gives his his briefing about the day cooper turns back to harry and goes oh and the coffee at the great northern incredible and he puts his whole palm out in a very funny gesture i don't know why it just makes me laugh it's like a stop gesture, but for some reason he's using it to demonstrate how much he loves the coffee. And only after he leaves the room does Harry finally swallow his donut. Even Leo makes a reference to the holy trinity of coffee, pie, and donuts in this episode. In his case, pie, but uh, albeit ominously. He says to Shelley as she's off to work that maybe he's going to drop in on her at some point and uh, be a good girl and save me a piece of pie. And he kind of squeezes her cheek. Cooper recommends to Albert, if you come up through Lewis Fork, I can recommend a place for lunch, the Lamplighter Inn. They've got a cherry pie there that'll kill you. Josie offers to make a fresh pot of coffee. Pete pours uh, for them out of the old-fashioned percolator and asks Cooper how he likes it. And Cooper says, black as midnight on a moonless night, to which Pete responds, pretty black. And then, of course, he races in as uh, Cooper and Harry are starting to sip their coffee. And he says, fellas... Don't drink that coffee. You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator. And they look horrified. <laughs> we later see Pete washing out the percolator. He smells it and he shakes his head. And uh, later at the diner, Shelly pours them some coffee. Harry recommends pie and Cooper says cherry pie. And Shelly kind of smiles. She says best in the Tri-Counties. And Cooper says, I can't get the taste of that fish-filtered coffee out of my mouth. And then he asks for two more pieces of this incredible pie and... Harry says, man, oh man, you must have the metabolism of a bumblebee. 
there's a montage on one of the Blu-rays of just scenes uh, and lines about coffee from the show, and I feel like half of them come from this episode. It's kind of amazing. This is really, I think, where this iconography of the show is cemented in this episode. Uh, with all three. As for other food, there we see a little of that here, a little of that in this episode as well, though not nearly as much as Coffee Pie and Donuts. Uh, Cooper asks for his breakfast. He orders, now I'd like two eggs over hard. I know, it's hard on the arteries, but old habits die hard, just as hard as I want those eggs. Bacon, super crispy, almost burned. Cremated. That's great. And I'll have the grapefruit juice, just as long as those grapefruits are freshly squeezed. Pete is cutting a fish, uh, when uh, he, you know, which obviously later merges with the coffee. Uh, there's a cigarette and Bobby's meatloaf, or no, his mother's meatloaf. James is given a choice between fruit punch and sparkling cider for dinner. He chooses the punch. Eileen goes to check on a roast, and there's some fruit and vegetables on the bowl and some water on the table. This is very waspy family, the uh, Hayward family, as you can see, and James is not quite comfortable there. His Irish Catholic, uh, I don't know. I don't know what comparison I'm trying to draw there. but And then for smoking, I guess we might as well throw that in here. It's not exactly food, but, uh, it's a, you know, something you intake. Leo and Bobby are shown smoking. Uh, Leo, uh, Bobby at home and in the car. And so cigarettes are kind of portrayed unsympathetically here. I guess that's true in the pilot as well. Uh, we do see Shelly smoking in that episode, but it's almost, it's like, you know, a distressful situation where her cigarettes actually I don't think we even see her smoking just the fact that she has cigarettes around the house makes Leo suspicious and we see Sarah smoking as well in that episode but it's associated with the mounting tension about Laura's death I think only Audrey gets to do kind of the sexy smoke in the pilot now there's a scene I forgot to mention as part of the scene descriptions I touched on it in the food section so I guess I'll talk about it here the Briggs Major Briggs is trying to uh console Bobby I talked about that part but I didn't talk about what happens next Bobby defiant pulls out a cigarette puts it in his mouth and Major Briggs smacks him across the face and the cigarette goes flying into the meatloaf and his mother picks it out and looks at it and says we're here for you Bobby and he's like stunned like what household am I in this is ridiculous and there's opera music playing in the background too that's it for this episode tomorrow we will gather a couple different archives my own archive of previous work covering this episode, but also some press, some fan comments from the time. Uh, for the pilot, I released these as their own episode, but there weren't quite enough of them this time. Plus, some of the ones that there were um, talk about, well, they, they don't talk about the general shape of the show because they're from the time, but they speculate on what might happen. And I thought speculation would be good to reserve for the shape of the show section near the end, where I talk about either the general contours of where the show's going to go, or in this case, what people were predicting in terms of who the killer might be, where the story might go. None of that is particularly spoilerish because these were people watching it at the time. They had no idea what was going to come. But in case you want to hold that stuff off, I've, I left it in its own section near the end. So all of that will be there tomorrow to wrap up this first regular episode of Twin Peaks. <laughs>